Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Govs on the Go Alumni Edition, a podcast featuring alumni from the College of Arts and Letters here at Austin P. State University. My name is Dr. Buzzin. I'm the dean of the college. I'm also the host of the podcast. And today I'm talking with Nicole Robinson Hamilton, who graduated with a degree in 1997 in French. Nicole, so glad to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So we usually like to begin with a life update. Please tell our listeners and our viewers what's going on in your life. Uh, presently, I'm snowed in in Nashville. Um, <laughs> we're going on our fourth day now and oh looking at the weather forecast, it looks like I'm going to be here till Monday. Um, being a very happy introvert and former Midwesterner, I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. I am OK with that. I have lots of books, lots of snacks, very cozy. Um, Career-wise, I work for Ingram Content Group that's located here in Laverne, Tennessee. Um, and a lead content manager is a very, very fancy way of saying that I buy books and the people who work with me buy more books. Um, we are some very happy nerds. <laughs> I have uh, one gorgeous daughter who just turned 30 this year, uh, who also went to Austin P for a little while. And we actually both had Dr. Sorensen uh, as our French teacher. So that's my little fun fact about that. That's awesome. We're going to talk about your time here at Austin P um, in just a few moments, but I want to begin at the beginning, okay. oddly enough. And you um, are from the, as you mentioned, the Midwest, you're from Ohio. You said you grew up in the Queen City, which I thought was an interesting uh, connection. As as you may know, Clarksville is also known as the Queen City. Uh, and so uh, it was destined for you to be here. But let's <laughs> let's talk about your life, early life growing up. What was it like? What kind of things do you remember in, in terms of making you who you were are? Well, as a queen in training, um, there was a lot that that made me who I am. Um, I was actually raised primarily by my father, my grandfather, and my uncles, which was a lot of fun. And so that is kind of my 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 different spill. So I am a very handy person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think the part mostly that made me the most excited about having that kind of upbringing was one, I didn't know that other people weren't raised that way. When you're in your house, it is your house. And so right. you think everybody lives the same way and they don't. So it wasn't until I got out into the world and saw how much my father's involvement in my life made such a difference uh, back in the 70s and 80s, because I do not care that people know that I am the age that I am. Um, ADHD was not talked about. It wasn't really studied or anything like that. But my father was like, hey, there's something a little bit different about this kid. Um, and I'm going to kind of protect that and, and own that. And I think his uh, influence in my life uh, really kind of helped hone some of that. As I got older and realized that ADHD was something, was a diagnosis, um, I was like, wait a minute. 
this explains so much. Um, but my dad and, and my grandfather and uncles really just were like, okay, so you've got some, some rhythms that are a little bit different than other mm -hmm. people. That is fine. We're going to take care and protect that. I also went to all girls school uh, for my high school years, which is uh, different for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I will say a couple of things about it. I loved it. Um, that was one of the only places where I could see uh, feminine energy really all the time in a positive space. Um, we were first, not Second, which is often what happens in our society, um, being very comfortable in my body because I was with a bunch of women all day, every day. The authority figures there were women. So when I came out into the world again, because uh, this was my day to day life, I thought, well, that's perfectly normal. And coming into the world, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This is this is different. It's given me a very different perspective. Um, and I loved it. And I think it's part of what has helped me be very successful today. That, that's um, that's a great perspective on, on you know, and I, I was wondering, did your dad do that as uh, as a way to make sure that we want to, yeah, maybe a little overproductive of, yeah. of you, but um, let's talk about I'm always interested in somebody that has that that uh, that works in the industry. Do you do you remember uh, your first book that maybe really that you read that influenced you and said uh, you had a showed you that you may have a love a future in in the industry? Um, actually, no. They were all around me all the time. So, fun mm. fact: my father um, believed in education strong. He was yeah. drafted into Vietnam uh, two months after he graduated from high school. And that really affected who he was as a person. And he believed that when he had children, they would be educated and have different choices. While he was traveling, he met a book salesman. Remember back in the day when people yeah. would come to your house and knock on the door and sell things, vacuums, everything? There was a book salesman. And my father bought a set of encyclopedias and a set of classic works. And this was 1970, I want to say, 1970, 1969, based on what my mom told me. And he said, these are for our children. Whenever they're born, these are for them so that they can get a head start wow. on education and keep it going. And um, so those have always been in my life. When I was in first grade, my parents signed me up for a weekly reader book club. And every week I got a new book in the mail. Um, and I still have several of those books to this day. And I read them to my daughter when she was little. So it's just always been a, a part of my life. When I got older, uh, 15, 16, my father and I would read books together. And that was a lot of fun, especially if there was something that People would consider controversial. He didn't keep it from me. We read it together and then we talked about it. Like what made this um, controversial? What made this maybe a little difficult for me to comprehend? Um, and those conversations really helped a lot. And it gave me the strength and ability to have more difficult conversations with other people as I grew up. So what kind of things did you eventually get involved in in high school? Were you in different clubs? Did you Do you remember focusing on, on different things? So here's the funny thing. Um, money has always been an issue in my family. Mm -hmm. So 
when I went to school, it was scholarship and hard-earned money from my parents and my extended family to afford that education for me. So I did not do a lot of extracurriculars because all the money went into me getting this education. Um, but I always had books. They were always there for me. Um, so reading, being in the library at school, being in libraries in my community really helped change my life. Those librarians were amazing. They would see me coming in and they, they tried to, have you, I saw you read this, have you read this? You might like this, how about that? I would sit in the library and I would get there early in the morning and I would stay all day just reading, 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 reading as many books as I could. And then I would carry as many books as I could on my backpack home so that I could read when I got home. Um, if there was extra money, I did do like one semester. I was in a uh, marching band, um, but that was about it. I mean, it really was about getting the education and um, reading. That was, that's what I'm like a nerd, old school nerd, like before it was fun and popular that everybody do now. Like I was, I was her. Um, always with a book. I remember my dad like, are you going to go outside? Do you have any friends? And I was like, <laughs> a couple. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's, I can, I can envision you in the library with all those books. I think that's yeah. a great image. And, uh, and, and one that obviously uh, that investment, not only that your, your family was making in you, your personal investment paid off because you ended up coming to Austin P of all things. And tell yeah. us how you ended up here. I got a scholarship, believe it or not, in English. Surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> that That's how I got it. My mother's aunt was a principal in Chattanooga, and she uh, they were talking about schools for me, and I'd gotten some scholarships here. Um, but my mom and I and my dad was like, you know, it'd be kind of nice to get away, to try something different. Um, and so once I got the scholarship to Austin Pete, wasn't too far, right? Just a few hours from Cincinnati. So if I needed to get home or they needed to get to me, that could happen fairly quickly and easily. But it was also just a time for me to kind of strike out on my own for a little bit. Um, so that's how I got to Austin Pete. Yeah, but you you hadn't visited I had not. I trusted my aunt with my whole life and the group, the monkeys, because the only time I had ever heard of Clarksville was because I used to watch the monkeys in mm -hmm. syndication. And anybody younger than me probably have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, it was a musical group that were put together. They were out of the UK, I believe. But they had this song uh, called The Last Train to Clarksville, uh, which the writers of the song deny that it's about Clarksville, Tennessee, but I don't think so. Um, and it was actually, believe it or not, a protest song. But anyway, that's the only time I'd ever heard of Clarksville. Okay. So what are your early memories of when you did arrive on campus? And, you know, what 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 did you think? I thought it was amazing. Uh, as mentioned, I was, I am and was an introvert. And Austin P was considerably smaller than it is mm -hmm. now. Um, so it was the perfect size. Uh, one of the other places I had a scholarship was University of Cincinnati, and it just felt so big, yeah. um, especially, you know, coming from private school as well. So being at Austin P where everything felt separate but contained, it felt manageable for me. Um, my professors knew who I was. I knew who they were. I knew how to get to everything and I could get there in a few minutes because like I said, money was an issue. I didn't have a car or anything like that. It was about uh, walking and buses. Um, so that was amazing. And it was 
all of these different people. There were boys. I didn't have that before. So that was cool. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was an opportunity because the classes, there were so many. And it was like, oh, I get to choose from all of this stuff. That was so exciting. I loved learning. So one of the things you mentioned is that while you were here, you were also working. Um, that kept you, I'm sure, very busy. But you did all types of things. You said that yeah, I think you're doing some. Were you doing some tutoring? I did. I did. Um, I started out in the computer labs, which you probably they probably don't know what that is either, because everybody <laughs> has a computer and a laptop in their room. Yeah. Back in the ye old days, <laughs> there were rooms full of computers, and everybody did their papers in those rooms yeah. with the computers. And there were a handful of us who would help out when things would go south. But I also had a really high GPA, surprise, um, especially in French. And so I was able to do some tutoring through uh, the athletic department. Um, and that was great. And it paid really well. And so <laughs> I was very pleased with that gig. So as an introvert, was that hard for you at all to have to interact and deal with all these different people, these new people in your life? No, because, you know, um, the way I look at introversion is kind of the original definition where it's about an energy exchange, right? I love people. I love meeting new people. I love learning about people. I just get tired after a while okay. and want to go back into my space and lay down. So yes, it was great. So I just had to find the balance, like staying up all night, partying all night, going to clubs, then going to class and then go, that's, I could not do that. Like that would not allow me to function well. So once I got my groove and realized, you know, if I have an early morning class, because I'm an early bird, come back to my room, take a nap, have a moment, go back to my next set of classes. Like staggering it that way was super helpful for me. Oh, yeah. I, I try to tell uh, new students all the time, you need to find that routine. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously the things that are important are sleeping, Yes. And going to class and, yes. and studying all those things, but and eating, uh, you know, but you need to find uh, the routine so that you're not spending too much time doing other things that yes. will distract you. <laughs> <laughs> so what did what other things were you doing that distracted you, though? I mean, that were not, you know, in the classroom. Well, you know, there was that boy, um, mm -hmm. which is how I got the great kid. Um, he was, I met him at Austin P. That was wonderful. I um, was a member of the NAACP on, on campus. Um, I also just the uh, non-traditional tutoring. That's what I would call it. Because, you know, when you're in the dorm, mm -hmm. people know who you are and what you do and what you're mm -hmm. good at. So there were the girls who were good at doing hair. So we would go get our hair done from from these set of ladies. There were, uh, we had community kitchens back then. I don't know if that's still a thing. I doubt it, but we had a community kitchen. So uh, one giant refrigerator, one old fashioned stove, and there was always the ladies who were good at cooking. So, you know, everybody would pitch in a little bit of money and they would cook us all meals. I was the nerd. Mm. So people would come and be like, hey, I've got this paper. Can you help me with this, this idea? And I'm like, Absolutely, of course. Um, I love the art department. The the guy, he was an artist. So I got I learned a lot about art and uh, artists and different types of mediums and things like that. So I would kind of hang out with the art kids and I went to the theater. Um, 
Uh, there was a wonderful opera singer at the time. Her name was Leandra Jack. She was in my class. And I learned about opera by becoming friends with her and going to her events. That was really cool as I met different people and found their interests. Sometimes I would go hang out with them doing their thing and then learn about some subject matter I never even heard of or had any experience in before. I wish every student would follow your path, Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what you're supposed to do in college. Um, so that's just my editorializing here. Um, so um, let's talk about some of the professors that you remember and some of the, the things you, you, you know, some of your favorite classes. Oh, God. Well, of course, French. Dr. Sorensen is the best person ever. Um, we still kind of hang out, uh, which is really funny for people to hear that, like, you you hang out with your professor. I'm like, yes. Yeah. She's a human being and she's a lovely one. Why would I let that go? Don't exactly. be ridiculous. Um, yeah, just the, the kindness that she always shared and the inclusivity um, and being very candid about my life with her. I was able to do that. And that is one thing I would definitely uh, remind students of. Professors are human, right? So um, you can talk to people. Now you get your vibes right because everybody's not created equal, but you will find your people. Um, there was Dr. Wilbur, who was a, a history professor, who was delightful, and history was a lot of fun. But uh, my favorite part of his class was he always gave extra credit, and it was always on the most random thing, um, so that everybody had a chance, right? So yeah. you, you could be really good in it, but you could be kind of average in, in history. And then the extra credit point would be name five professional athletic teams that have animals as a mascot. Or what are um, the typical weather pattern in Clarksville during the winter? Like they were just so random, but it gave everybody kind of a little leg up if you needed. I always thought that was the sweetest, kindest thing that somebody could do. Oh, that's good. Um, and then Dr. Irwin, who was uh, in the English department as well, who <laughs> was a lot of fun and very kind to me because uh, like I said, I like to learn. So there were classes I wanted to take that I might not uh, have been uh, in my track or like I could take it in two years or a year from now. Sometimes if you go ask the professor and you have a conversation and you have a relationship and they get to know you, they might go, you know what? I think you might be ready for this after all. And Dr. Irwin did that for me and let me into his linguistics class uh, that was like a 3000 level. And I think I might've been the end of my freshman year or the first semester of my sophomore year. And it was great. And I ended up taking another class with him. And before um, I left Austin P, he gave me a copy of of um, Faulkner's A Rose for Emily. Um, and I, I still have it. And it was just because he was like, I read this story. And when I read this story, I thought you might like it. Mm -hmm. And I never forgot that. And I thought that was the kindest thing uh, that someone had done just for because I didn't know him. I wanted this class thought I'd take a chance. And then we ended up with a very lovely relationship. And I have this lovely souvenir. He's passed away now, but I have this lovely souvenir of our time together. Wow. What a great story. And I, and you know, I, I, I you had done what exactly what I told my own daughter to do mm -hmm. is go and meet the professor, introduce yourself yeah. uh, and, and, and spend time, you know, many times as a professor, the office hour time is yeah. spent alone when yeah. it could be spent with other people. <laughs> 
Well, I remember one time my car, when I finally did get a car, it broke down. And again, this is way before internet and all of this stuff. So I'm just calling around going, I, I, I can't get to, yeah, because I was still living in Nashville at the time and commuting by then. So I was older. Um, and everybody was like, of course, I completely understand. It wasn't like I just didn't show up or didn't have a relationship. And I think because I did have those relationships with yeah. my professors and those conversations, they were like, oh, you can take this exam later. We'll work around your schedule. When you get here, we can. That's what the relationships do that I don't think people understand. Yeah. I think your comment earlier about uh, that we as professors are human mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes are. is a good reminder. It is. That we also uh, can understand things. Um, so when you when you graduated, mm -hmm. let's talk about getting into the career that you are. What what was your first job? <laughs> so my entire big girl adult career has been in books. My very first job uh, right out of college was the manager of a bookstore. It was a little uh, bookstore that was in uh, Cool Springs in Franklin hmm. uh, that has since gone out of business, uh, but. I knew I loved books, but I didn't know what I was going to do with it. So working in a bookstore, helping customers, um, learning about the business of books started really in that uh, bookstore. Ingram Content Group, which is where I work now, is a wholesaler, and they were one of the suppliers to the bookstore. So when we were ordering books or trying to order books, um, I was calling back and forth with Ingram trying to get things here. And so that's how I learned a little bit about the company um, from the beginning. But it really was, uh, when I graduated, one of the things I wanted to do was give myself a present because we should celebrate every milestone in our lives, big ones and little ones. Um, and I stumbled upon the Southern Festival of Books, which is in Nashville, typically on Legislative Plaza, uh, up until the last couple of years, but it's usually the second week in October, look, because it still exists. Um, it's moved over to the Bicentennial Mall, but it still exists. I didn't know it was happening. I just happened to be downtown that day and saw all these booths and saw all these people and was like, what's going on? And it was a celebration of books. Authors were there. Um, publishers were there, co-ops were there, the Tennessee Humanities uh, puts on the festival every year. One of the booths was the National Women's Book Association. And they were like, we're looking for members. And it's $25 a year. And we meet once a month and talk about books. And I said, you don't say. I would like to meet once a month and talk about books. <laughs> so I did. Uh, so I got off work at the bookstore one day. We went to, uh, they used to have dinner before, and it was at Davis Kid Bookseller in Green Hills also, uh, no longer with us. But we do have Parnassus Bookstore now. So go to that. Independently owned, author owned, and Patchett and my lovely friend Karen Hayes. Go, go there. Um, and there was a man who was talking about his job at Ingram where he got to see books before anybody else got to see them. And he made decisions about how many to buy and where to put them in warehouses so that other people could go buy the books. And all I heard was he got to see books before anybody else. And mm. he spent his day buying those books. And I thought, that's the job for me. Um, and my girlfriend who was there with me was like, go talk to him. And I was like, no, I'm scared. She's like, go talk to him. 
And so I get up and I walk over to him and he's like, hi, my name is Ron Watson. Nice to meet you. And I said, hi, my name is Nicole Robinson Hamilton and I would like to have your job. True story. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. Um, <laughs> and he laughed just like that. And he was like, well, tell me a little something about yourself. Um, and he is still a friend to this day. Oh, that's great. Um, he, again, before internet, got the job descriptions at Ingram that were open. He highlighted the ones that he thought would work for me, folded them up, put them in the mail so that, so that I could review them. I applied. Uh, he gave my information to one of his friends who I guess he said really nice things about me because she interviewed me even though she had already hired for her position. Mm -hmm. But that was fine. I was in the door. I was having the conversation. Um, and she liked me so much that when another position came open with someone that she was close to, she gave him my resume and told him he should interview me. And long story short, um, he was hired me immediately. He was one of the great loves of my life. And uh, we remained friends all the way up until he passed away. Oh, well, I think that's a, you know, a, Nicole, I'm a very spirit driven person. And I think that you have been uh, following the path that that has guided you to that. And that's remarkable. And I'm, I'm so glad that you told that because I, I think that when you're presented with those, with a door that has yeah. been opened, yeah. You walk through it. You had the courage to walk through it, and I hope our our students understand that. Yeah, that uh, you not you 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 can't plan out your entire life. You can't. You can't. <laughs> I mean, that is the the try. Like it's there. Like I, said, I didn't know that festival was happening. I just was out and about and was like, "What is that?" Right. The I didn't know what that particular meeting was going to be about. I just met him that night. And I took a chance because I thought, I love this so much. It makes mm. me so happy. I want to do this thing. Um, and then just meeting all these people who were like, wait, you're excited about what you do? That's that's different. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you like you like this a lot? It's not just a gig? No, it's not. This is my whole life. Mm. It makes me happy. I had a woman not too long ago. I was talking about my job and what I did. And she just looked at me like kind of puzzled. And I was like, what, what is it? She said, you know what? You've never mentioned anything about money. Not one time. And I was like, well, no. She was like, you really love what you do. And I was like, yes. Not saying that I didn't think about the money because that, that obviously is necessary. But part of what I thought about was this is what makes me happy. Hmm. This is what brings me joy. And I'm going to have to do this at the very least 40 hours a week for 40 years somewhere. Why would I do that just based on money? It's never going to be enough. That's why I think so many people are so unhappy, regardless of how much money they have, which is why they keep trying to get more, not realizing that it really is about the joy and the purpose. Once you find those things, everything else really does fall into place. That is so true. And I'm so glad you said that. I think that, that it will help resolve so much unhappiness for people that it's yeah. going to their careers. Yeah. One, one of the things you, you get to do is you get to interview authors. And I'm mm. uh, now that I'm interviewing you, I want to interview the person that interviews the authors. <laughs> What's it like for you to do that? Uh, it's nerve wracking each and every time. 
each and every time. I, but again, I love what I do and I love research. Research has always been a lot of fun. Um, so being able to go into this author's history, even if it's a first time author and, and find out things about them, what they like, what they don't like, what, what the book means to them um, and how important it is to them. Books tend to, when a person writes a book, it's typically like their baby. Like it's so important. Mm -hmm. And if you have great care with that baby, they can tell. They really can tell. Um, celebrities especially, because people often don't take them serious when they when they become writers. And so when they're, they're on all of these talk shows that you see, there is an assistant that has probably read part of the book and has pulled out a question or two. And that's what's talked about in the segment. But no one has actually read the book until you get to the nerds and the nerds have read the book and it's high lit and there's sticky notes. And they're mm -hmm. just like, you know that about page 77? I'm like, absolutely. What did you mean by this line? Um, <laughs> blows their mind every time. And, you know, a first time author who's very nervous, they don't know what, you know, there's a handful of people in the audience or a handful of people on the podcast. And they're just like, what do I do? And I'm like, let me help you. Let me have what you what you've done is amazing. Yeah. Let me help the world appreciate how amazing you and this book really are. Well, what are some of your favorite interviews? What do you have one that you say, oh, I'm so glad I got to do that? Um, gosh. OK, so not one. There have been so many and they're so okay. different. Right. So um, I got to interview Robin Roberts for her book recently mm -hmm. and it's on YouTube if, if anybody wants to look that up. She was such a delight. And you think of Robin Roberts as this big time TV star, uh, a former athlete, cancer survival. And the book she wrote was a devotional that was based on a devotional she'd been given by her parent um, that she keeps in her dressing room at Good Morning America. Um, and we had some really lovely conversations about the book and her parents and what it meant to write a devotional versus all the other things people would have expected her to write. Hmm. Um, J.K. Jemison, who uh, writes speculative science fiction uh, and a woman, uh, amazing woman. One of my favorite parts is she's written several big books, but it was actually a short story called The Red Witch that really spoke to my heart. And I told her that on camera and she just lit up. Because she said the book, that particular story was inspired by her grandmother. And so it was very important to get this story out and published because it reminded her of her people. And I was like, that's what I'm talking about. Mm. That's what I love. Um, just being able to hang out with people like Sally Fields or have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with Alan Alda was, was great. Oh, my God. It was great. Um Learning that R.L. Stein doesn't have any fear. And that's one of the reasons why he wrote. Uh, the Goosebumps books, because he was trying to understand fear and, and how it works. Um, he, he doesn't suffer from it. Um, going to the National Book Association and seeing Toni Morrison sitting and going, I've got to do this. <laughs> and going and talking to her and her being an absolute delight. And she was there to give the Lifetime Achievement Award to Maya Angelou, who was also there. Um, oh and I, I'm i just me. And we had a lovely conversation and I walked back to my table and everyone was like, did you take a picture? And I'm like, oh dear God. Um, 
So then I go back and I'm like, I am so sorry. May I have a picture, please? And she's like, of course you can. Yeah. Um, so you're just sitting in the room with those two greats and James McBride, who also won a National Book Award that evening, uh, was amazing. It, so it, they're all just so different and so fun. Um, and I, I chose to use the bigger names. So like Neil Gaiman or Nikki Giovanni or um, George Takai or Blondie. That was a lot of fun because mm. her publicist was like, just sign the papers. And I'm like, no, no, this is Blondie. I've, I've loved her since 1983. Mm -hmm. I am going to spend some time with her. And we did. And she ah. was delightful. Uh, so things like that, like that is, if you'd have told me back when I am sitting in the library on the floor all those years ago that my life would take this trajectory. Mm-hmm. I would never have believed you. Um, and so that is everything to me. It, it just, you know, David, I remember when David Hammerstein wrote The Children was about the integration of the Woolworths in downtown Nashville. And I got to spend some time with CJ Vivian, CT Vivian, um, talking about his experience mm -hmm. as a young person integrating downtown Nashville, like that, that no one could have ever prepared me for that. No one could have ever gotten me to that place. Now, my day-to-day -day job is not like this every day, <laughs> trust yeah. and believe, but there are these pockets, these moments where you're at, at a book fair and you look over and there's John Lewis walking towards you and you're like, that is John Lewis. Um, <laughs> is this a dream? Is this a dream? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He's got one handler and it's me and my Canadian publisher, which was Harlequin at the time. And I'm like, excuse me, I need to go talk to John Lewis. Oh, that, wow. that, that, that's great. That's just great. That is, that is wonderful. And I, and, and I, I'm so glad that you mentioned as a, again, as a young girl in the library, Finding the same joy yeah. in, in opening up this book as you do today, mm -hmm. that it's almost like, I imagine it's got to be like a present, like, I'm not sure what's in here, yeah. but I want to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. That is, uh, that's just been a, a remarkable, and I, and I am, I'm jealous, but I'm also very happy for you. <laughs> I think, because you are the coolest nerd that I think I've ever oh, talked you. to. I think that is great. <laughs> and I say well, that again, in, when we were talking about, you know, purpose and passion and joy, mm -hmm. that makes everybody cool, right? When That's you right. get to be in those spaces, you feel better in yourself. You can translate that to other people. Other people feel joy around you. And they're like, well, shoot, what am I doing? What brings me happiness? Um, right. I think you asked me about a, a superlative and I'm like, I don't do superlatives. I, I never have because nothing is the best yet. Yes. Nothing is the most yet. Every day I'm surprised. Like I said, every time something like that happens, I'm like, who saw this coming? I didn't. Yeah. And I what's didn't. what's tomorrow going to bring? Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, we always like to end our, our interviews with uh, a little bit of trying to connect back with the students. What kind of recommendations might you have for a college student? Everything I just said, um, including have all the fun. 
Uh, and never grow up. Growing up is overrated. It is just really not that fun. No one ever knows everything. Uh, we're all confused. We're all just figuring it out. Um, have a community, even if it's a community of nerds. Uh, one of the things that I love so much about where I'm at is I get to talk about books with other people who like to talk about books. Uh, usually when I'm in the wild and I'm talking about books, people kind of glaze over like, oh, that's so nice. You read. That's I read too. Um, and I'm like, but no, this is this is a precious baby. Uh, but when I'm at work and I'm like, I just got this new book. And people are like, I read about that. Is it good? Is it that great? I'm like, it's great. You want a copy? Let's read it together. Let's talk about this. Just like when I was a kid, when yeah. you used to share your books and you shared your cassette tapes um, <laughs> mm -hmm. with your friends. I get to still do that at this age. Um, I get to still read kids' books because why not? And it's fun. Um, remember that everybody is human, including you. Be graceful and give other people grace. Forgive yourself. Ask all the questions. Ask all the questions. Stay curious. That's a lot of fun. You can change your mind. That's another big one I think people forget. You can try something and be like, I always want to do this. And then you do it and like, mm -mm, that's not it. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's not it. Uh, or I thought it was going to be this, but now it's that. So my degree is in French. And I only ever honestly use my French when I go on vacation to France. Right? That's when I use it. However, uh, I have an ESL certification. Learning another language gave me a sympathetic ear for other people learning another language. Mm -hmm. um, so it's allowed me to do some teaching in that realm and to be active in my listening, not trying to think of what I need to say next, but really focus and be intentional about the other person. My degree in French sent me study abroad. I studied in Shikudumi, um one summer and it changed my life. I have since gone to about 18 other countries. Um, no all-inclusives. I'm in hiking boots with a backpack and I'm meeting people on the street in their culture with their language, um, learning why they do the things they do and learning and seeing how kind people are. You know, we watch the news and we have these built-in fears, but when you're on the ground and you're in the space, these are people trying to feed their kids just like you. These are people going to work just like you. These are people who are looking for joy and happiness, who would be very happy to share a glass of wine with you and point you in the right direction. That's what I find when I travel. That's what I learned at Austin P. That's what I continue to learn every day. And, and before we leave, I have to mention that you, you intentionally mentioned uh, in your notes to me about how important it is to provide service for others, to volunteer. Oh, yeah. Um, can you can you just tell people again about that? Because it, it, it's reflected in all that you do, but can you tell why you do it? So one of the reasons I do it is because, uh, like I said, money was always an issue. My 20 mile radius was all that I knew until I started reading. When I started reading, I realized that the world was bigger than my 20 miles. There was so much more out there and there were so many more possibilities and there were so many ways to get there. So when it came to being able to volunteer and Ingram is very big on that, they, they've allowed me to do junior achievement, read to succeed. Um, I'm working with Pencil, which is a nonprofit that works with um, Metro school systems right now. Um, going into the schools and talking to young people, because one of the things they always say is, I don't like reading. And I'm like, oh, you haven't found the right book. 
That's all that is. Somebody told you this was a classic and it's a classic for them, but it's not going to be a classic for you. So let's read this comic. Let's read this graphic novel. Let's read this uh, urban fiction. Let's read this science fiction. Let's read this romance. I am telling you, I got through so many history classes reading about the War of the Roses and Mary Stewart's romances. Um, if there was will, there's a way. That's what I do. I Money was, like I said, an issue. And so oftentimes people think volunteering means writing a check. Sometimes it just means being there, yeah. being in front of people. Um, so when I walk into these schools and these kids see me and they're like, what are you, first of all? I'm like, no, I'm not a teacher. I'm not a social worker. Um, I'm not uh, an adjunct, anything. I'm just a regular person who left my job today to come sit with you and read books. And they're like, why? And I was like, because I like you and I like books. And then we start to tell the stories and then they realize that this story is great, but their stories is even better. Mm. And they start to tell me their stories. And then they realize that all the possibilities to their story, when they realize that I came from neighborhoods just like them, that I have ADHD, just like a lot of them. They're like, wait a minute, this is not the image that we have been given. And I'm like, right, this is what reading does. This is broadening the door. This is why you get out and you explore. I remember taking my passport even to some kids that I was uh, doing some tutoring with. They'd never seen a passport. No one in their world's ever had yeah. passports. So it was like, here's my passport and here are all the stamps. What does this one say? Oh, that says Italy. You've been to Italy, Miss Nicole? I have. This one says Turkey. You went to Turkey, Miss Nicole? I did. And they were like, well, what was it like? Then we have the stories. Mm. It's like, and you can do that too. Because I get the books sooner sometimes than other people. I get galleys that aren't on the shelves. And sometimes I take them to a reluctant reader and go, I need a review. They're like, a review? Yeah, I need you to read this book and tell me if it's good or not. And they're like, why would I do that? I'm like, because you're one of the first people to ever get the book. They're like, uh-uh. I'm like, uh-huh. Google it. Google it. Great. And they Google it. And they look on Amazon and they look on Barnes & Noble and they see the book is not available, but they have one in their hand. Mm. I've gotten so many readers like that. It's been great. That's why I do it. <laughs> That's why I do it. I'm so glad that we we got that in before I, before I forgot, because I thought that was exceptional that you had mentioned that. So, Nicole, I am I'm thankful for you sharing your joy, uh, not only with other people, but with us today. Oh, thank you. This was a delight. And like I said, I'm used to doing the interview. So it was kind of uh, interesting to be on the other side. <laughs> I hope it wasn't uh, too crazy. No, it was terrific. We we again, thank you for being on the podcast and for for being such a, a great supporter of Austin P. Of course. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day and stay warm. And thanks to all of our viewers and listeners out there for joining us and checking out the podcast. We hope that you will continue to do so as we profile some of the outstanding alumni we have in the College of Arts and Letters here at Austin P. State University. So until next time, stay safe, take care, and God bless.